Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Hello, Cosmos Country, and welcome back to another edition of First Team Podcast. I'm your host, John Frashante. The National Independent Soccer Association announced a independent cup which will include NISA member clubs and other lower division clubs, such as clubs in the MPSL, UPSL, and the state league clubs, which I think is a great thing because you have clubs at the bottom that will never be able to, or over this short to mid or maybe even long-term period of time, they will not have the funding um, to reach this level. So I don't know what the details are to join this independent cup that is ran by NISA. And it's basically sanctioned by NISA and uh, managed by NISA. So I believe that there most likely is some um, probably financial details or maybe even some sort of expansion um, or maybe some uh, standards for a club to have. Because we have talked in the past about clubs in the Cosmopolitan Soccer League not having the same professionalism. So for sure, there will be other clubs throughout U.S. soccer that... Uh, at the lower levels, don't have the same professionalism as the Cosmos or Chattanooga FC and other professional clubs in the National Independent Soccer Association. On the NISA website, they have a paragraph that reads, We believe in creating opportunities for clubs to advance based on performance. To step up and prove they are champions. A first of its kind, a cup for only independent clubs, Teams from multiple leagues will convene at a regional stadium, play each other in a series of matches, and prove on the pitch who is regional champion. We will be taking COVID-19 precautions, including playing behind closed doors where restrictions apply. So there's a handful of regions. We have the Great Lakes, Mid-Atlantic, Central Plains, and the Southeast uh, region, which will make up the independent cup by the National Independent Soccer Association. I'm joined by Chris Kevlin of Midfield Press. Chris joins the show to discuss the Independent Cup and what it means for lower division U.S. soccer. And you can send in your thoughts and join the discussion by emailing the show at firstteampod at gmail.com or tweeting or sending us a message or um, giving us your thoughts on Facebook at First Team Pod. So it's Facebook and Twitter at First Team Pod. Leaving leaving COVID issues aside, if we pretend pretend like that's not an issue, right? Uh, for a minute and just a normal year. I think this is a great idea. Maybe some clubs that have pro uh, ambitions or want to raise their profile in some way. Uh, several of these clubs, for example, have had successful open cup runs. Um, you know, for them to showcase themselves as a club maybe for some potential investors that NISA might be uh, able to help them land or to showcase the players on the team uh, to, uh, to sign a pro contract. So I think in a normal year, this is a terrific idea. And, um, you know, I think it could it'd be something that expands nationally. Uh, from what I understand, there were a couple other regions, at least one other region, uh, logically probably two, uh, that uh, that could have been in the mix, uh, but didn't work out. 
So I think in a normal year, maybe you would have seen even more regions than what we're seeing right now. I think it's a great idea uh, under normal circumstances, a really good showcase for both the clubs and the players. The tournament is going to take place in Maryland uh, on the East Coast, but um, is that just because of COVID-19 or uh, in the future, will that be uh, maybe more of a national uh, tournament? I don't know, uh, but you know, as I look at the schedule on the website, the Mid-Atlantic region, which is the one that with the Cosmos, New Amsterdam, Baltimore, uh, Christos, and the Maryland Bobcats. That's actually the only one, uh, it appears from the website, that is playing all their games in one location. It does appear that in the other cases, um, games are being played in uh, in several stadiums. Uh, maybe not what you would normally expect um, in variety, but uh, you know, there's more than one venue being used, and it appears like in more than one uh, town as well. So the one location kind of hub thing appears to be unique to the mid-Atlantic region. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what that says for the future, but uh, but maybe, maybe that says for the future that the regions are going to determine what makes most sense for them. Do you ever see the opportunity for the MPSL to uh, maybe work with NISA? Um, because I know there's a lot of people on social media that say the UPSL should partner with NISA because they have all these or they have hundreds of clubs. And um, that seems like possibly the right fit, right? But do you think NISA maybe has that willingness to want to um, work with other lower division leagues outside of a tournament? You know what I mean? Because it sort of feels like that all these leagues, they want the best for U.S. soccer to a certain extent, but they're all private leagues. So... I guess, how do they all work together under their own uh, laws and bylaws and policies and vision for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think um, when we look at this tournament, as an example, you see teams that play in uh, a number of different leagues. So the Georgia Revolution, um, you know, the you know, Cleveland SC, uh, FC Buffalo, uh, you know, Baltimore Christos, um are all from the MPSL, right? Um, and then someone like Maryland Bobcats actually has teams in the MPSL and the UPSL. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, have, you have, so you have already kind of a mix going on in this of just clubs that wanted to play. There was some, you know, some thought that maybe some MPSL teams uh, weren't allowed to play or, or chose not to play late. Um, but, uh, in terms of cooperation from league to league, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how likely that is, you know, the, unfortunately the way things have tended to work is that the leagues kind of are fairly territorial, um, over their clubs and, and sort of think they all have the best idea uh, on how to, you know, how to operate a league and, and, you know, Generally speaking, that's been the way it's been in U.S. soccer. So I don't know that I have a lot of hope for, for the leagues really collaborating in any you know significant way. Uh, but maybe the clubs will come together uh, in this cup. Um, and then you know, the UPSL has new ownership. We don't know what you know that'll lead to in the future for the UPSL. Um, you know, and and uh, you know clearly. The new ownership is not NISA, so that means a NISA you know, merger with the UPSL is probably less likely than it would have been if that had been the case. But, 
yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. Generally speaking, you know, at a league level, these leagues tend not to play nice together. But, you know, for something like this, we are seeing the clubs come together. Uh, so hopefully uh, hopefully we'll see more of, of that. There's no doubt that this is for Nisa's best interest, right? Uh, this is their business. This is their brand on it. This is their name on it. And um, they want it to be the best thing for the league and for their brand and for the future of U.S. soccer because – to a certain extent, this can be a success because if they um, bring up these clubs to that level, play matches against them, and try to bring them that investment um, or find that, them an uh, investment group, then they could add a handful of clubs to the league. Um, but then, yeah, on the U.S. Open Cup, I think a lot of people don't know this, but uh, lower division clubs have to pay a $1,000 performance bond, right? And... Um, a lot of people argue and say, oh, well, it's okay because you get the uh, exposure. You can play against high-level clubs. But once you get out of your region, if you're if you're very lucky to do that, uh, then you have that very high uh, expense of uh, travel costs, which sort of might bankrupt your club if you don't have the, the, the proper resources. So it sort of is that great pro on that pro-cons list. Um, but over a short amount of time, the U.S. Open Cup can be uh, the worst case scenario for a lot of lower division clubs. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying a, a minute ago mm -hmm. about Nisa and this being a good, you know, a good kind of business move from them from kind of expansion, you know, potential. Um, you know, if you look at this, the places that are involved here, um, you know, you've got got some markets that would be great markets for Nisa to be in, right? Uh, and they tend to be clustered around the current teams, which is good. So you look at Soda City, I believe that's in Columbia, uh, South Carolina, which is a nice kind of, you know, 800,000 population type of metro market, right? Um, so that kind of, you know, Division Three, you know, type of metro market that's good. Savannah's a little bit smaller than that, I think. Uh, but nearby, close to Chattanooga, you've got Georgia Revolution, which is in the, you know, the Atlanta area, which I'm sure Nisa would like to get back into. Um you know, you've got uh, Jackson, Mississippi, you know, with Gaffa. You've got uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. And then you've got two clubs in the the Dallas metropolitan area um, with Lone Star and Mansfield. And then you've got Cleveland. You've got um, Buffalo. And you've got uh, two Maryland clubs, one in Baltimore. And then one, uh, you know, over in Silver Spring, which is kind of like a different, it's more of the D.C. area. Um, so it's a good, you know, it would all be fantastic markets for Nisa to be in if, you know, if, if, if they're able to kind of showcase some of these clubs. So, you know, we'll see, I guess, if it comes off. But I like it, you know, from that perspective. And then for the individual players, maybe somebody does a great job in the tournament. You know, one of the players on one of these teams, like the Bobcats, who won a lot of, you know, won a lot of competitions they've been in. Maybe they'll get a contract with uh you know, with, with one of the pro teams in the tournament, right? I think uh, the most important question in this whole process is, will the, say, amateur or semi-pro players get paid during this tournament? Um, because that might be a sticking point uh, down the line. Yeah, I'm not sure how this tournament is navigating mm -hmm. uh, the issue that uh, that sort of derailed the Founders Cup, right? Which was the, the mix of pro and amateur players and insurance and all that. Not sure why that isn't an issue here, uh, but, uh, you know, 
the mysteries of U.S. soccer continue, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's why we're still around uh, producing a first-team podcast every single week because it's ever-evolving, right, Chris? Um, but um, let's move on to our New York Cosmos here. They don't have a home venue yet, but they're signing some players to the roster and building that out with Carlos Menez being the head coach. So are you excited and optimistic uh, for the season behind closed doors at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you know, personally, you know, I'm not I'm not somebody who's going to venture out to a game this year or any type of public, you know, gathering of that size uh, unless there's uh you know, there, you know, there's, there's a vaccine, um, or some type of really advanced treatment. So, um, you know, on the one hand, you know, if it were up to me, I would, I, I personally would probably decide not to have games this year, have the players stay safe. The, the staff members at the clubs all stay safe, uh, and have them plan for a great spring 20, 21 start you know hopefully uh you know maybe in april you know, the world will be in a better place you know uh, and kind of try to ramp up for that that would be my decision personally uh but given that they're going to play behind closed doors i'm absolutely excited to watch the games and i'll be watching all the streams uh for the, certainly the cosmos but a lot of the other nisa games too um you know i find a lot of the, the you know other teams in the league interesting as well I think if we look at the Cosmos in particular, you know, I, I would challenge the situation right now and say that I don't think the Cosmos are clearly the best team in Nisa right now. What do you think about that, John? Yeah, I don't think they are as well um, because... Roster-wise. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. you know, I think it's hard to say that the Cosmos roster as it presently exists is better than, on paper, better than the Oakland Roots. And I think, you know, you have to sort of respect California United um, for being the de facto champion of NISA at this point and having a lot of players with a, a pro background there and say, you know, I don't know that the Cosmos are not as good as those teams, but I don't know that they're better than those teams, right, on paper. And then you look at, you know, Chattanooga has made some very interesting signings, a lot of USL uh, D2 players, some USL D3 players um, to augment, you know, the team they already had. I think Detroit City's pretty much stood pat, except for they got Venegas uh, from us, right, um, and Kafari. Um, but uh, but they've pretty much stayed stayed pat uh, with the team they had in the Members' Cup. Um, some minor changes, but the core, I think, is basically the same. Uh, and they won the Members' Cup, so you got to give them credit for that. Um, I don't know how that is going to work out for them over a season. They might just need to augment that with some signings. Uh, and they had clearly taken a lot of loans from the Cosmos for the spring. Obviously, didn't play uh, the spring season beyond a couple games. But um, so they've got to probably build that team out a little bit more to be on the level of the other ones. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think right now I don't see the Cosmos as separated from the pack uh, of NISA teams like maybe we were on paper in the NASL. You would say the Cosmos on paper, are the best team in the league, right, yeah. uh, on a year-to-year basis. Right now, I don't think that's the case, so it'll be interesting to see uh, see if they, they step up some more signings that, that create some separation there. I really think that uh, the Cosmos, they were in the MPSL days or, uh, a couple of years ago, 
and uh, they didn't have that same level of investment as they did in the NASL. Um, but now I think going into NISA, especially with the COVID situation, um, I think you're probably going to see even maybe less investment um, or maybe uh, not that big of an office staff, which I think is very important, but maybe not as important right now during COVID-19 when you're not going to have any fans in the stadium. Yeah, I think from a organizational perspective, I mean, what I'd most like to see from the Cosmos is for them to really develop a plan for 2021, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for when we're when we're out of the COVID situation, uh, for how how the club's going to get back up because you know obviously it's been Cosmos B in 2018, 2019. You know this is going to be theoretically Cosmos A um, in the fall. Though right now they're looking a lot like Cosmos B with Cosmos A, you know, um, <laughs> on them. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's fine for the fall. I mean, I think the fall you just sort of – you take what you can get and it's a strange time and, you know, you, you just hope everybody gets through it safely. Um, but, uh, you know, but for the 2021, it would really be nice to see the Cosmos start to uh, articulate a new vision that is uh, at, at least as ambitious as the vision that we had under Seamus O'Brien and Sella Sport. Yeah, and I think the Cosmos, it doesn't matter how much money they spend year to year, I think the club will always have that um, integrity. They will always have that competitiveness to, to the squad, regardless of who's playing for the club. And I think that's something that we take pride in as a fan. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think the, you know, you can call it Cosmos A, Cosmos B. Over the last couple of years, I think there's no doubt that the players who who took the field, um, you know, played with pride uh, and wore the wore the the shirt, you know, uh, you know, with with the integrity you'd want to see from Cosmos players. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that you know, obviously, it would be nice if they had won those championships, but I don't think that anything at the player level um, from their effort, you know, was was anything that was lacking. Um, you know, I think I think it's just you know you'd like to see uh, as we go back into pro soccer the uh, you know the, the level of ambition you know from from the ownership group uh, kind of get back up to that same level uh, that it was at you know in the kind of the championship era of 2013 to 2016. So that's what I would like to see as the next phase. But you know, right now we're in COVID. You know, can't expect anything while that's going on. I think once we get out of it, maybe now they can plan, you know, for that next phase. That would be that would be what I would hope for is that they're planning for the next the next phase during this kind of downtime. I think that's the only thing that we do expect is a plan, right? Even uh, during the lockdown months, uh, hopefully the Cosmos were coming up with that uh, short term plan to say, hey, this is what we're going to do two years from now. This is how we're going to progress because during those NPSL days, uh, we lost a lot of time, probably a lot of fans, probably a lot of support from the players, not our players that were signed, but maybe players that wanted to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Uh, because a club does have that over time, has that credibility within uh, pro soccer. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that, uh, you know, the crowds were a lot smaller in the NPSL and, you know, the, the organization was a lot smaller in the NPSL, um, you know, to, to support that. So, you know, the NPSL, I think, was was just a placeholder, right? That was clear. Um, you know, it was, it was uh, 
a placeholder to get us back to pro soccer, which we're now getting back to. So hopefully we can see the the organization build back up when when the time is uh, you know right. And then you know obviously that's going to be dependent on COVID. Um, but uh, but during this time, hopefully they're they're uh, they're working on plans for that. That would be that would be what I would hope for from the organization. A lot of people, they don't like to get into this COVID conversation, but a lot of people on social media, they were saying, well, it's not right to play any sport, soccer, Cosmos, regardless. It doesn't matter. Uh, they shouldn't be out there playing because they're just like us, right? They have families, they, they have responsibilities, and they shouldn't uh, be risking their lives to play a sport, right? That is their living, but uh, at the end of the day, they should have some sort of uh, protection in that. So... Do you uh, agree with that? Yeah, I generally agree with it. I think you got to look at different sports differently. Um, you know, I think we're seeing with with MLS. You know, they they obviously made a poor choice of where to have their tournament, uh, choosing Orlando and Florida. And Florida is, is unfortunately, you know, really struggling right now. They open too fast, and, and they're having a lot of problems down there. And and MLS chose to have the tournament there when, you know, it looked like, like they had opened up and the logistics of that would make it easier. And you're seeing a lot of teams, you know, the reports uh, from the the guys who cover MLS, a lot of teams are having guys, you know, test positive for COVID. And uh, I don't think we're seeing as much of that with the NWSL, um, who's having that in uh, their tournament over in uh, in in Utah. Um, you know, which, which isn't as in bad shape. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you look at what's going on with MLS, uh, you look at, you know, I think major league baseball is having some of these issues as well. Um, so, you know, first I think you have to look at like major league baseball, the NBA a little bit differently than you would something like uh, minor league baseball or, you know, USL or NISA, um, in that, you know, on the, on the, on the spec end of the spectrum with the major league baseball players and, and the NBA, uh, players, these guys are making millions and millions of dollars a year. Um, some of them you're seeing are just opting out because they have enough money and they don't need to, right. Uh, put themselves at risk. So, you know, I respect that from those players. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not the case when you're talking about lower division soccer. You're talking about guys who don't make very much money. Um, so for them to risk their health, because uh, this hits people in different ways, right? Some people it doesn't, you know, you're not you know, hit that hard or you're asymptomatic. Other people, it's devastating, right? Um, so I think it's, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not a risk that I would want to ask anyone to take personally. You know, if they if you know you leave it up to the the league and the players, and you know if the player didn't want to play, they could probably you know not play. Um, so my my assumption is that the players who are signed up for this want to play, um, and that's their decision, and that's fine. And I'll watch the stream. Uh, but if it was up to me, I would probably you know if I were making the decisions for everybody, I would probably be more cautious about it, and you're you know air towards the side of, of making sure everybody's healthy for next year. I think that's a fair point. I don't want these players to get involved in that as well, but I think uh, when you put it like that, when it comes to their salary, it's like this is their livelihood. This is their full-time job, right? And if they don't do it, they don't get paid. So um, 
that's a sad reality of U.S. soccer. Do you expect any of these matches to be on TV at all, locally or nationally? Um, I mean, I would expect to watch them on on streams. Um, you know that you know it'd be nice if they can get a. I know there was some talk about you know maybe trying to get a a TV deal. I think we see the Chattanooga uh, FC is going to have their you know one of their matches on local TV shortly. I think it's one of these uh, independent cup matches. Um, so that's great for Chattanooga FC to see the continued growth of of, of their club. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know if if I'm not aware of any. Um, deal with a streaming service that's in place beyond what they've been doing with my um, which for me, I think a lot is, is uh, it would be nice to see it on ESPN plus, right. Um, or, or a similar, you know, platform that has a lot of subscribers. I like ESPN plus just because um, it's almost like advertising to be on ESPN plus because they've got such a, such a portfolio of soccer, content in soccer leagues that you know somebody who may not be aware of nisa could be browsing say hey what soccer's on that i could watch right now and they say oh wow hey look there's a team in detroit what is this right or the new york cosmos i didn't know the new york cosmos were still around right um and then you could pick up fans of the league by being in that catalog right of uh of you know all the all the worldwide leagues that they have on their platform so I like ESPN Plus because I think it's as much marketing for the league as anything else. Uh, but uh, Mike Kuju, I think, gets a you know a lot of people blame the I think the stadium-based performance issues uh, on Mike Kuju as a platform because uh, I think we saw you know varying quality at different locations. I think it was probably less about Mike Kuju than it was about the setups of those individual stadiums. Thanks to Chris Kevlin for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. You can follow First Team Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at First Team Pod. Please check out our website. We have our blog and our latest episodes on our website, firstteampod.com. And please, if you want to join the discussion, you can email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. And I will read out your email on next week's episode. So just to let you guys know, we are gearing up for the Cosmos return to professional soccer. And that all starts on July 11th in uh, this new tournament in NISA called the Independent Cup. But from now until then, which is a very short amount of time, but from now until then, we will have guests from NISA, from the New York Cosmos, um, and just from lower division soccer to talk about what's coming up for the boys in green. So keep it locked here on First Team Podcast. If you want a special guest on the show, and you want to recommend someone, you can email us, like I said earlier, or you can uh, send us a message on um, social media because we want to listen to our listeners and we want to get someone that you think is interesting and who you would like to hear on the show because this media outlet, First Team Podcast, it's not just about me, John Frusciante. It's about everyone trying to get their thoughts heard, trying to put their opinions out there, and um, it's not just what I have to say, and that's why... I welcome a guest on the show every single week to hear what's the other opinions out there and um, to really have a very interesting conversation on the New York Cosmos, on NISA, and on lower division U.S. soccer. So I will be back next week with another edition of First Team Podcast gearing up for the NISA Independent Cup, which will see our boys in green, the New York Cosmos, 
return to professional soccer. And in August, we have uh, the fall portion of the NISA season and the Cosmos inaugural season in NISA. All those matches will be played behind closed doors due to COVID-19. So once again, thanks for tuning in to First Team Podcast. I really do appreciate it. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos.